0: Have you ever stopped to think, maybe it's not you? Hey you guys, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I have special guest and author of I'll Pray For You, Donna Wales. Hi, how are you? Hi, I am good. How are you? I am
1: good. Sorry, I'm running a little bit late. I my cat was going crazy. <laughs> there is a bird in my house. That's
0: not your bird. No, we don't have birds. Oh, god. So there's like a wild bird, and my You're husband awfully is, calm. <laughs> right, my husband, no, I closed
1: the door. My husband is chasing it around the house, <laughs> and we locked the cat in the bedroom where the cat where the bird isn't, so I think we're okay
0: oh my God that is hilarious <laughs> oh never a dull moment I'm sure <laughs> I totally get that never a dull well moment. it is so great to have you on the show thank you for being here thanks for for thanks for letting me and
1: I even have my um oh no you can't <gasps> see it my blue Hawaiian
0: mocktail ooh I love it, it Looks pretty. Um, I got my vodka. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> so you have had quite the ride. It appears. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, I chose Blue Hawaii, the Blue Hawaiian mocktail, because um, I actually met him at a church picnic in Hawaii. Oh. And so, um, you know. Of all the places to meet someone, you would think that a church picnic would be a safe place to meet somebody. Um, Yeah, I was wrong. You would think. (laughs) I
0: was wrong. So I'm sure when you first met him, he seemed like Mr. Perfect.
1: Well, yeah, he was, like, very um, charismatic and always happy. And there was always, you know a party looking for a place to happen. It was, you know, it was great. It was, he was very attentive and, or what I thought was attentive. Um, You know, he always wanted to be with me and always wanted to know where I was going and what I was doing and could he take along? I thought that was great. Wow. Look at how much he likes me. Not realizing that that was, you know, giant red flags of control. Right. I just thought it was You know, I just thought it was very sweet that he wanted to know where I was all the time.
0: And I get that. I think we all feel that way at first because it's like, oh wow, because you've dated the guys who don't care. And you're like, oh, this is refreshing. This is exactly.
1: This is great. Okay. Well, it was for a while. It was great.
0: When did you start to see it turn?
1: Well, because he was in the Navy and on submarines. he was gone for 6 month deployments at a time so they would be out for 6 months and then back for 3 and then out for 3 months so i like to say that um i wasn't drunk when we got married nor was i like high on anything <laughs> but he wasn't but he wasn't like that all the time like you like you were saying the first time that i remember that he was actually mean to me on purpose we were visiting with his mom and his younger sister in Florida, and I was always raised to, you know, if you're getting up to get to get a drink or something from the kitchen, you ask and see if somebody else wants something. It's just the polite thing to do. And so I asked if anybody wanted something and I was going to go get a glass of water. We were going to watch. It was Christmas. We were going to watch Christmas movies with his mom and his sister. We had just finished decorating the Christmas tree. You know how cute. Oh. And... So I turned to go to the kitchen and he kicked my feet out from under me wow. and I landed on my backside on. Um. Well, in Florida, they have those slab houses, right? So it's a concrete slab covered by itty bitty carpet. Right. And, and I was like and I started to cry and and I said, you hurt me. Oh, but you should have seen your face. It was so funny. And I just looked at him like, you hurt me. That hurt. And he's like, but your face was so funny. It was a joke. And I'm like, that's not funny. You hurt me. And so he pulled me onto his lap and he didn't really apologize. He was just like, well, it was just a joke and your face was really funny. And like the next morning when I got up and showered, I had this huge bruise. On my tailbone where I had landed and I thought there's something's not quite right. But then, you know, but then it's Christmas and and you just get caught up in the all the other things. Right. And you don't really think about
0: what really happened, you know, so. Right. Well, you don't want to ruin the holidays, but that could have gone really bad. What if you would have broke something or, you know, that could have been serious.
1: It could have been. And he just brushed it off like, oh, your face was just so funny.
0: No, that wasn't funny. You hurt me. Yeah. Pain is not
1: funny. Pain is not funny. No.
0: Was this before you guys got married or after?
1: No, this was after. Um, Before we got married, he was just really clingy. Um, so So there was a time... I was living in Hawaii teaching at a, at a private school there. And, um, he, this was his first duty station in the Navy. And we met, like I said, at the church picnic. And I had another friend who was, who had, was a college friend, you know, in college, you kind of sit with all the people had to have the same letter, last name as you. Right. So, so I had sat with this guy in like, Freshman orientation, history of civ, you know, statistics all the way up through. And he was flying through Hawaii for a business trip or whatever. And I wasn't married and I wasn't like seriously dating. I call him Dirk in my book, but I wasn't even seriously dating him. We had hung out a couple of times, but that was it. And so I was having a lunch with, you know, a friend from college that I had been four years sitting next to in class. And he must have called me seven or ten times, just crying and I'm cheating on him, and how could I do this to him? And this was just so rude and I'm like, I don't understand. I will talk to you because we had plans to double date with another couple after lunch, right? I was gonna have lunch and then and then then I was gonna date with you know double date and we were gonna go whatever we were doing mini golf or something and finally I said look I will talk to you when I'm done when when we're done with lunch because you know you're interrupting lunch this is you know and so it was a lovely lunch it was you know sandwiches or salads or you know anything and then I went to the house of the other couple that we were going to double date with it was her her mom met me at the door and she's like I don't know what you did to Dirk but he is in tears and you need to apologize. Apologize for what? And she's like, Well, you know, the Bible says that if somebody has something against you, that you should apologize. And I'm like, I, I went to lunch with my friend. Like, I was just baffled by the reaction. And she said, Well, you know, he's in tears and it's really bad and you should apologize. And I went, I don't know what I'm apologizing for, but okay. So I, you know, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm sorry that you're upset. And that was like, oh, okay. But to this day, I'm like, should not have to apologize for going out to lunch with, with an old friend from college. Uh, You know, it, it, it just goes to that possessiveness that I didn't notice until later.
0: Well, once it seems like I've heard from so many times, once you do get married, it's almost like a light switch flips and it becomes more control. And it's just like, now you're theirs. Yes, absolutely. And there
1: were times when he would leave marks on my body on purpose because he, that would like hickey kind of stuff because that was how he showed that he owned me. Mm. And I was like, okay. I you know, but but growing up in the very extremely conservative world that I grew up in, we never talked about any kind of marital relations or sex or dating. It was all, you know, sex is evil until you stand in front of the preacher and you say I do and then it's okay. So there's no, like, there's no.
0: No middle ground.
1: There's no middle ground. None, none whatsoever. And so I, growing up like that, had no idea what was going on. And he absolutely took advantage of that.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Some, like, he sounds like a narcissist in my uh, my opinion. So absolutely people say they can almost smell out the vulnerable. And I do agree because I was sniffed out by somebody and I totally get it. It's like they can almost feel that you're vulnerable.
1: And and not just vulnerable, but naive. I was most definitely naive. I didn't understand. How he was grooming me to to do what he wanted, basically, to be his perfect possession.
0: Yeah. How long were you guys married for?
1: We were married, like I said, for 12 years. But he was out to sea a lot of that time. And things would get worse. And then he would go out to sea and everything would be all fine fabulous when he came home, right? Because it was six months, it was three months, it was whatever. And there was this, well, you understand the cycle of violence or the cycle of domestic violence, right? So so when he would come back, it would be all honeymoon because we hadn't seen each other in so long. And then you never know how long that's going to last until you're walking on eggshells trying to figure out what is it that I did or didn't do or thought about doing that I didn't do, you
0: know, before the explosion comes. Absolutely, because once it comes, there ain't no going back for a while.
1: Right. Well, and because of the way that I was brought up, you know, and I and I told you about the lady who told me I needed to ask, you know, told to apologize to him. Because the, of the way I brought was brought up, it was always me, right? Even though he blamed me, but I blamed me, right? So I was brought up in a very introspective kind of way. There's got to be something wrong with me. You know, there's got to be something. What did I do? What did I wear? What did I, you know, what did I make for dinner? What shouldn't I have made for dinner, Um, I forgot to buy his favorite soda at the grocery store one time, and that was just horrible. There was never any rhyme or reason. And so and then um, one of the ladies who was in the back then, the submarines were only men. So it was a Navy wives support group. Um, now there are women on submarines and it's, they call it the family support group. But, but back then it was just a bunch of women who, you know, we hung out and, and, um, literally our husbands were on this, in the same boat. But one of the, one of my friends who had two little kids basically said to me, look, maybe you need to go to the counseling center. She said, they really helped me. And I think they can help you too, because you're a different person when my then husband was around. And when he wasn't around, I just seemed so much more relaxed and so much more like myself. And she said, I know they can help you because they helped me and I'm a bigger mess than you. And so I laughed and said, "Okay, well, maybe. And of course, about that time, then my husband came home from sea and I was filling out the paperwork and I was, you know, all the questions and stuff. What are you writing about me? And I said, well, You know, my friend said that this helped her. Maybe I should go. Oh, yeah, you need to go find out what's wrong with you. So, like, he gave me his permission to go find out what was wrong with with me. But, you know, as I sat there a couple weeks in talking about sex and talking about marriage and talking about relationships and trying to figure out just my thoughts out loud, the counselor put her hand on my leg and she looked at me and she said, Donna, what if it's not you? And I had never considered that before. Like that was completely new and just out of left field for me. Wow. What if it wasn't me? You know, it was like the the light bulbs kind of went, came on.
0: Became wow. empowering then because you're like, you know what? I don't think it is me.
1: Maybe it's not all me. Now, now, see, I had been brainwashed enough as a child to know that I had part of this, right? But, But I didn't own it all. This wasn't all me. So that was crazy. You know, like this whole crazy idea. It's not me. Like, I have a personal space bubble. I'm allowed to say no when I don't want to have sex with my husband. Of course, he didn't allow that. But... I am allowed to say no. And, you know, for for everybody out there, look, you have a personal space bubble. You are allowed to say no. It's your body. And that was something that if I said no, he would wrestle me to the ground. And basically, it's marital rape when you say no. Oh, wow. And so I was shocked at these new revelations I was allowed to say no. I was allowed to say, don't touch me. And so he came up with, instead of me saying no, he came up with a chore chart, kind of like you would give a five-year-old. Except that if he did household chores, I would do sexual favors for him. And I looked at him and said, no, you're not five. I'm not doing this and you help around the house because you live here.
0: Right. Wow. I've never heard of that one. That's that was just a new level of crazy.
1: And that was toward the toward the end, like the very, the very end. But it it got really, really controlling. I was not allowed to answer the apartment door. I was not allowed to answer my cell phone unless, or the house phone, if he didn't know who was calling. He did not allow me to go anywhere without, either without him or without knowing who I was going with, when, how long I was going to be there and when I was when I would return. And it got to the point where there was a couple from our church who came to visit us on a Tuesday, they do this visitation thing. And, you know, thanks for visiting our church and this kind of thing. And they came and I asked the lady to come help me make coffee because I don't drink coffee. I don't make coffee because I don't drink it. How do I know what it tastes like? And so I asked her to come in the kitchen and help me make coffee and I had made cake or whatever. And I said, you know, my husband's not letting, she said, you should call so-and-so, um, you know you're about the same age or whatever. You might really like them, and I said, "No, I'm not allowed. My husband doesn't allow me to make phone calls or or go anywhere that he doesn't that he doesn't know." And she said, "Well, dear, it's probably just as well. It really is an t- evil world out there." And I was like, "I'm not getting any help from her today. No, no. I-, I was not getting any help from her at all that day because she was just dismissing." like oh well it's evil it's he, he's trying to protect you
0: no that is not a good response
1: no and so the other time that i um that i reached out for help was um i talked with and if you can't talk with the minister of your church then you have lots of problems right so i mentioned a little bit about my husband's pornography addiction basically And then he wanted me to reenact whatever it was. And I did not feel comfortable doing that. Right. Remember, I grew up really conservative and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and so I'm feeling really, you know, convicted. I'm feeling guilty. How do you know? I can't do all this stuff and and uncomfortable and way uncomfortable. Just just, you know, all kinds of stuff. So we lived in Hawaii and he's like, let's go have sex on the beach. And I'm like. No, there's first of all, there's sand and I don't want sand in places that sand shouldn't go. But secondly, there's people and, you know, that that's not a no. And and so it was just one of those. No, I'm not going to do this with you. And so I chatted with the pastor just a little like I didn't even tell the pastor half of the things that that I was subjected to. and. He called my husband in his office after the service and talked to him. It must have been an hour, it seemed like forever. But when he came out, his face was white. And he looked at me and he said, Get in the car, buckle up. And I was like, Right? Oh no. And my knuckles were white, holding on so tightly to the edge, you know, to the car seat, he would go 80 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone, slam on the brakes and then do 20 and 80 and 20 and 80 and 20. And he said, I hope I'm scaring you. Cause you'll never humiliate me again like that ever. And it was a 20 minute drive to our apartment. And I was, you know, just praying. I didn't know whether I wanted to die right then or just, you know, kill me, get it over with, or I I don't know. And we got to the parking lot. He put the car in park, turned it off. And before he got any, you know, before he was able to get out, I like unlocked our apartment door and ran into the, ran into the bedroom and I locked the bedroom door and I fell on my face, just crying. And, and, you know, I could hear him yelling. That's what you get. You embarrassed me. We can't ever go back to that church again. And I remember praying. My favorite psalm was 121. I would lift up my eyes into the hills from from when from where you know from where does my help come from? My help comes from God. And then I added, because nobody else is gonna help me right now. There's no one else that can help me. Only God can help me at this point. It's and, a dark
0: and place to be.
1: There was no one my church friends he had told them that i was going to have an affair and run off with a younger man and go live in a trailer in florida you know i was evil i was all these things the only ones who really believed me were not even my church friends that i was really close to they were the navy the navy family service center and the navy family advocacy program i can tell you that those women saved my life they really did. I didn't believe, because again, naive and, and innocent, I didn't believe that he would ever hurt me. Not realizing that he already had, but he wouldn't ever try to kill me. And the um, my counselor said, well, you need to do this just in case. You know, get all your papers in order. We had adopted my daughter at that point. She was about a year old little, like maybe a year and a half old, you know, get all of your papers, get all of the, you know, make sure you have keys, make sure you have a change of clothes in the back of your car in case you need to leave, like a go bag, basically. Keep it in your car, keep it hidden, make copies of social security cards and all that stuff, but keep it in your go bag and get right in, you know, and have a person that you needed to call. I never expected to have to do that but they told me when he was pacing or yelling or something that he was getting ready to explode because i had gone over some of these things with my counselor and i could hear him pa- i could hear him pacing and i could hear things smashing in our bedroom mm-hmm. and i had come home from being a mentor and and i had just given this whole um training on how to read Your, you know, the sailors, they call it an LES, but basically it's their leave and earning statement. It's their pay stub. So here's how you know how much money you get. And here's how you know, you know, how to budget and all this kind of stuff. And I had just come home and I was changing. But when I got home, he had sorted all of my belongings into what I was allowed to keep and what he was taking. Taking? Mm Mm-hmm. Because he was going to give them to the next woman that was going to share our bed, is what he told me.
0: Like sister wife kind of deal?
1: No, he was dumping me and he was going to find somebody else within 24 hours. Right. So the bed was not even going to be cold and he was going to replace me. That was it. And I'm like, where's my jewelry? Where's my, like, even my cosmetics from the. From the shower, my favorite um, was like an orange sugar scrub, orange, you know, the orange smelling sugar scrub. He needed that. Why? My shampoos and my underwear. And I'm like, where is my favorite bathrobe? I'm going to give that to the next woman. That's my bathrobe. And I'm thinking, how weird is that? You know, like how how demented do you think this woman is going to be? That, you know, where like he's giving my underwear to the next. Really? I'm thinking just to hurt you. It's a tap. Absolutely. But I was like confused at that point. Right. Right. I went to the kitchen and I should not have turned my back on him. That was my, you know, my bad. I shouldn't have turned my back on him. But I picked up my phone and I was calling my friend Rhonda because she was my just in case. And I'm like, Rhonda. And and I, you know, I'm dialing. And just as Rhonda picked up, he grabbed me by the back of my neck and my arm. And I don't know how I kept the phone up to my ear, but he picked me up, walked me around the corner and slammed my body into the storm door of our second floor apartment. I'm not leaving. You are. And he slammed me into it. And I remember... Trying to get this hand because the other hand was up by my, you know, holding my phone. Like, please help me, please help me. And Rhonda, I hear Rhonda saying, "Hold on, Donna. I'm gonna, I'm getting help. I'm gonna call nine one one on my other phone, and I'm gonna send somebody to help you. Just hang on." So I'm listening to her call nine one one, and I'm trying to get the door open, right, the latch open, to to stop him from smashing my body into the storm door and somehow my hand went through because the top was glass and the bottom was screen so my hand went through the screen i pulled my hand back through the screen and somehow i found the latch and i got it open and i remember touching the top the door frame right the do- the door frame and then i remember touching the bottom of the stairs and there were 13 concrete stairs i believe with all of my heart that that angels carried me down the stairs that day because I did not touch one of those stairs between. Wow. And I held that phone up to my ear and I ran into, we had this trash enclosure, right? Because it's a condo kind of association. There's a trash enclosure and I hid between the trash cans and tears are just running down my face. And what I didn't know was that there was a cut across my, above my eye that was, running blood down my face too but i'm i'm sitting in there and he and he comes running out and he's like i'm taking your car cuz you don't deserve it i'm taking everything and i don't know what got into me but i was like well what if the baby needs to go to the doctor and he's like all right fine and he threw my keys in the weeds mm-hmm. got his keys and stormed out in his truck and it was just crazy so that was the last time that i saw him and i had his handprint perfect handprints on my arm the back of my neck and across my legs i had the storm door imprint crazy
0: that is crazy
1: and i had to sit in the emergency room and have the detectives take pictures of all of my of all of my injuries and i almost felt Well, not even almost, but it was kind of an out of body experience. Like I am watching them do this to my body and just not even because I was so abused at that point that I just, I just separated my mind from my body.
0: It's the way that you can handle those things. Sometimes it's the only way Mm -hmm. associate. Exactly.
1: But you know, I got away from all of that, and I'm so glad, but a couple years after our divorce, I got a call from the Navy detectives who had worked on our case, and now we have to say allegedly, right, but my ex-husband was accused of rape three more times when he was in the Navy, but the women that he raped did not remember enough to convict him, basically um we were scared absolutely and they were scared that he was coming after me still and to this day there is still um i've had someone tell me even in the last couple of years that and he threatened to kidnap my daughter on her 18th birthday to show her what a wonderful person he was you know i i took him away from her you know i took her away from him And I was told that he has a storage unit with little girls and women's things for her so that when he meets her someday that he can give all that to her. And I'm thinking, oof, like, why is he not locked up? You know, the the whole like, how do you get off that many times? And he got off in the state of Washington where I lived, where where we were married, because he didn't hurt me bad enough. And it was his first offense.
0: That stuff makes me so angry. We need reform. We really do. We have to. There's a pattern. And they don't stop. It doesn't stop with you. It's No, gonna, it didn't stop with reform. me. Right. There's,
1: there's three more women after me, at least. And those are just the ones who came forward knowing that the military is not the most friendly toward toward sexual abuse victims. And so they're a lot better than they used to be, but you know, they're not, they're still not great. They protect their own. They, they absolutely do. So, you know, it's just for me, it's a conscious decision to go on with my life, right. To put, all of that, not necessarily behind me because I'm still working through it. Obviously, it's been, you know, it's been like 14 years. But, you know, recently I was diagnosed with PTSD. Well, of course, I you know, because now it makes sense, right? Of course I do. I jump at loud noises. I don't like people yelling, especially men's voices yelling. That really just sets me off. And I have this really big personal space bubble. I don't like people behind me, you know, it's, but that doesn't mean that my life is over.
0: Absolutely I have, not.
1: You know, but I have chosen to share my story because there are other women who are out there like me, naive and just, just somebody's taking advantage of them. And it took someone to tell me, hey, look, maybe these people can help you like they helped me, you know, or. Have you ever thought that it might not be you? And those kinds of comments really made me think about what, that it might not be me.
0: Mm, It's so empowering.
1: It absolutely is. Absolutely is. So if you don't mind shameless self-promotion.
0: Yes, your book.
1: My book is called I'll Pray For You, but it's called that sarcastically Because when I went to the head elder of my church, my abuser had been there first, of course. And the man stood with his arm across the back door of his house and he didn't let me in. And these are the people that had that had hosted my baby shower like, you know, 18 months ago and gone out to lunch with his wife and shopping and all this kind of stuff. And he said, I'm sorry, we can't help you anymore. He's dangerous, meaning my now ex-husband. My husband then was dangerous. And I said, I know. And I pointed to my black eye and the bruises that I had on my arm. And he said, we can't help you anymore, but, but I'll pray for you. Good luck. And he dismissed me. And talk about shattered. I had grown up in the church and I had done all these things. And here I was just done just dismissed, discarded. Yeah. If so, if sharing my story can help someone else not feel that discarded, you know, I have, it's been a tough road, but I know that God loves me. I have a wonderful man now who is, you know, my second husband who is um, chasing a bird around my house right now, trying to get it out of my house, (laughs) Um, you know, and and my daughter is 18. She's a freshman in college. And life is just so good. And there are second chances, and there is true love. And you know, he, my husband now, um, is a planner, and we laugh that his backup plans have plans. So we have <laughs> a plan and a backup plan, and then a backup plan to the backup plan. But you know, that works with my with my anxiety right and so there is some there is that person out there that can help you get through these things and it's just it's been a long road but i can sit here and tell you that despite those things that that life is good and yeah life is great
0: ah uh, it's so great to hear i know like i love hearing everyone's like happier ending because sometimes you just got to let go of everything you got to let that person go and that's when you will find
1: who you need absolutely and that was for me that was a conscious decision you know he can take his life down the toilet but he's not taking me and he's not taking my daughter and that was it was tough it was a t- that's a tough decision to make
0: oh yeah absolutely it's scary
1: Oh, absolutely. Like there's no, like there are people who say, oh, I'm going to help you. But then they're scared. They don't know what
0: to do either. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why these are good. You need good resources and to know that you're not alone. This happens more than people think. And there are ways around it. There's a brighter future and it can happen. It can happen to you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. My ex-husband is the reason that my attorney actually got a concealed carry permit. Really? Yes. So after he assaulted me, I did not want to go in the ambulance because what am I going to do with my baby at that point? Right. So um, my friend had come and she agreed to t- take me and the baby we moved my car my car seat into her car um to the hospital but when the EMTs and the MPs got there so because I was living on the navy base the navy military police had to come and they always come in threes when it's domestic abuse because because man and wife may you know the two people who are fighting are fighting against each other but then when somebody steps in the middle then both of them are against that person and so they always come in threes so then they outnumber the hopefully the people who are arguing so there were three military police officers and then there were a couple of um ambulance EMTs and the first question they asked me was do you think he tried to kill you and i was like No, why would he, you know, why would he do that? I was wrong. Because as I was sitting in the hospital with the, you know, the neck brace and the pictures and all the things, he told the arresting officers, they didn't arrest him until 12 hours after the assault. And they only arrested him because he tried to get back on the base to get to come home to the the house. But he told them that, get this. He went to the bank and withdrew the money from our savings account. He took himself out to Red Lobster. I'm sorry for Red Lobster, but um, we'll never go there again. But so he took himself out to dinner, and then he went to see a movie because you know he really just needed some time to relax by himself.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: So he tried, and then so as they as they're talking to him, you know, and they're they're questioning him in the you know the room that they you know, they always show on TV, right? The the questioning briefing room or whatever. He actually told them that if he found me, he would finish the job. And I'm like, what is, you know, like, what is wrong with, like, what is wrong with you? Why would you even say that? But between that and all of the things that he took that were mine, right? Like my underwear and all that kind of stuff. They're like, he's like a sociopath, right? Like a psychopath. Because he took trophies, basically. He took some of my stuff and then he took some of our daughter's stuff. Like, and and it was just creepy. So I had to live in hiding. So I went home with my friend and I called her Chloe, I think, in the book. But I went home with Chloe because her husband had gone on the submarine, mine could not because he was telling me things like he was going to change his name and move to South Korea, and I would be sorry that, you know, that I was going to be a single parent. And I looked at him and said, "You're in the Navy. I'm a single parent half the year anyway, so I'm, what difference it made?" I did regret that, by the way. You know, the 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 but the the idea that he was going to change his name and then the world would be a better place without him and all this kind of stuff and so when i went to my counselor i said you know i think these sound like he's suicidal and she said are you sure you want to say that and i said look i have a teaching certificate i know that if i don't say something that i can lose my teaching license and i really would like to teach again sometime you know when my daughter turns 5 so she can go to school and i can be you know whatever and she's like if you tell me that i'm gonna have to blah 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 and i'm like yeah
0: haven't been need- corrected right
1: yeah you're gonna have to take action and i'm like yeah i think you need to take action and so that was that was the catalyst to the beginning of the end he was super paranoid i stole his medical records and used them in our divorce proceedings I didn't, but my lawyer was so excited that he he admitted his own medical records into our divorce proceedings that said that he was like um, manic depressive and he was all these, you know, just wacky kind of things. And I was like, and my lawyer said, you know, we couldn't have entered this if we wanted to because of all the HIPAA laws but he did it himself, you know, just, just, wow. Just to spite me, my lawyers like, right. Right? If I knew how to do a cartwheel, I would be doing cartwheels across my (laughs) office. (laughs) Fabulous. So he was, he told the Navy that I was just a crazy wife who was having an affair. I was just trying to get him in trouble. And I was living in hiding, and he would drive by the house where I was staying at night and go really slowly trying to find me. My friend Chloe hid my car in front of her husband's truck under a tarp in her garage so that he wouldn't find my car. Wow. I was not allowed to go anywhere without my phone. I had to tell somebody, I had to call. I had to tell Chloe where I was going when I went. And when I arrived, I had to call her and tell her I got there safely. And when I left, I had to call her again and tell her I was on my way home. I had to, I lived with my phone. That was my lifeline. And every day, the Navy detectives would call me as a health or wellness check. Because they were
0: sure he was going to kill me. None of this makes sense. Was he ever arrested? Did he do any time? For them to be that concerned and for him to tell them, if I find her, I'm going to finish the job. And nothing came out of that? They believed him. His
1: command, the Navy, in fact, the NCIS, and I never thought they were real, right? So the Navy detectives, Like, you know, because it's just a TV show, right? right? No, I get it. (laughs) So the NCIS detectives that I worked with were, they were so kind and they were so concerned about me that they called me every day as a wellness check. One of them called me, somebody checked in with me every day to make sure I was still alive. They, I went to get a restraining order. And what they told me was that a restraining order is just a piece of paper. It won't stop a bat and it won't stop a bullet. Don't be where he is. And if you see him, you need to not be there. Call us, but call us on your way out. Don't be there. His command did not believe any of it. They argued with the detectives and they told the detectives. And the detectives said if something happens to her, All of you are going to be court-martialed because you did not believe her. I sat for two days in the NCIS headquarters debriefing, telling them all the things that I had been through. Plus you have pictures. Plus pictures. It was awful. But I sat for two days with them taking my statement of all all of the times that I had been raped or bruised or 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 and the one question that made me just freeze was did you ever leave bruises on him and I was like I just looked at my victim advocate who had been sitting there and we're on like hour 12 of 16 hours, like two eight hour days that I had been there and she just put her arm around me and she said sweetie they're not blaming you And the detective kind of figured that I was going to say yes. And he said, good for you. That means you fought back because I left bruises on him. Right. That doesn't make me. He was trying to explain to me that when I left bruises on him, they were bruises from my saying no and fighting back. Not bruises from me being the abuser is what he was trying to convey.
0: Okay, because I'm like, wait a minute.
1: And and you know, and so that's where I went too. I'm like, oh no, am I guilty? Am I gu-? You know, like, oh no. And and so that's when my my victim advocate put her arm around me and she's like, Look, that's not what he's asking. What he's asking is, did you, you know, were you able to fight back sometimes? And yeah, but I'm five two and he was six four and two hundred pounds. There was not much fighting back to be. Done. But, you know, I sat there for two days giving statements to these men and they are just what I was told later was that my case was one of the most horrendous that those that those two detectives had ever seen.
0: Nothing got done. Nothing. He
1: had probation for two years. That's it. It's awful. And and then he got off after allegedly raping three other women after he after I divorced him, it's awful, sick. So I was living in hiding. He was stalking me. My attorney actually got applied for and got a concealed carry permit just because of my ex husband. He came into the office. And started taking pictures of the layout of his office. And my attorney called the police and had him removed. But still. That's creepy. That's creepy. And he also went to my counselor's office and started yelling and harassing her because how dare you tell my wife that she... That she's, you know, a person and has her own personhood and her own personal space.
0: How dare you teach her to say no?
1: How dare you teach her to say no? Exactly. And so he was in trouble for that too, right? He's like threatening and harassing all these people. So when it came time for us to go to court, they actually told me to come 30 minutes early. And they snuck me in a back door and hid me in a little room where he could not get to me. And there was a bailiff outside of the door of that room. And my victim advocate would come in and my lawyer would come in and we would talk before the, before the, before we would go into the family court to the judge. And then it got so bad that, cause he would stare at me and try to like, intimidate me across the courtroom and I was just shaking like like I, I couldn't like barely function and my attorney asked for a second bailiff in the courtroom it got so bad he asked the judge for a second bailiff in the courtroom and they would put me behind a pillar where he wouldn't have direct line of sight to me so he couldn't see me to intimidate me it was so bad Wow. What did the judge say? The judge was just um I, I don't even remember. All I remember is how traumatized I was from all of that and I would be escorted by the bailiff in and out of the courtroom for my own safety. My attorney used to be or before before he be- went into private practice, he was a he was a district attorney for the for the county there in Washington, and his specialty was prosecuting domestic abuse cases. And so he took my case, obviously, but he ended up putting his phone number unlisted. Like I said, he got the concealed carry permit. he this my my ex-husband was just so I couldn't even like I couldn't go to the grocery store by myself. I couldn't go out with my friends. I was in hiding and he was out doing whatever he could do. And it was just so awful. And finally, and he told me if I ever left him, he would use our daughter against me. And he did. He um, he wanted visitation, which was just crazy because he never changed a diaper, he never did anything for the baby. Um,
0: cuz it's the CU, not the baby.
1: Right, exactly. And so, you know, it was it was to make us look like the perfect little family, right? Mom, dad and and baby. And I remember having to keep her quiet so that she wouldn't disturb him when he was playing computer games or whatever. And he insisted that you know he loved her so much he just needed visitation and so every Saturday I would take her to a mutual friend's house to the pastor's house and he would he wouldn't do anything with her the the pastor's daughter ended up changing diapers and like she got sunburnt because they went blueberry or blackberry picking or whatever and he didn't put any sunscreen on this little child who's not even two you know it was just crazy stuff. And so my attorney finally said, look, she has a teaching certificate. If she stays here in Washington state, we will not honor that teaching certificate because it was from South Carolina. We won't honor that. And not only that, they wouldn't even honor my four-year bachelor's degree. So I would have to start again and take four years of college, and go through all the student teaching and stuff again. And he said, look, if you let her go, it's August. She can get a job in South Carolina. She won't be a welfare mom. She can, you know, we can arrange video visitation. And finally, the judge said, okay, August 1st, she can go. And I don't think I slept the night before at all. My friend took me in. I had to put my car on a car carrier because I couldn't drive with with a baby, and I was so traumatized. I had a baby and two cats. I ended up taking one cat to the shelter because I, I just couldn't afford to. I couldn't afford to feed it. I couldn't afford to ship it across the country. Um, but the other cat was so old that they told me that they would euthanize him. And I was like, you can't euthanize my cat. You know, I've lost so much. Right. I, there's only right. so much you can oh, lose. Absolutely. Right. You know, so there's only so much you can lose. And so um, and so his name was Oscar. So I picked up Oscar and and the baby and we had put my car in a car carrier and the, there was an older man and his wife that had hid my car in their barn with a tarp over it again because again my ex-husband is stalking the neighborhoods looking for me um they drove me to Seattle and put me in a hotel that adjoined the airport and I remember putting a chair like under the doorknob of the hotel room going please god don't let him come you know because he knew I was going But he didn't know where I was and he didn't know my plane ticket and any of that. But the most dangerous time for a domestic abuse victim is when they leave. Because that's the when the power and control becomes no more. And then that's when they go absolutely crazy. And so I was expecting literally all hell to break loose. I don't think I slept all night long, but Uh, the baby slept. (laughs) The baby slept and I had the, you know, I had the TV on because I needed noise. I needed something. We got to TSA and I was, I had the stroller and somebody had given us a baby toy. It was like a little, it was a teddy bear, but it had a little, like it vibrated. So it had a little motor inside. When that went through TSA, I thought they were going to empty the the airport. It's got something inside. And I was like, oh, God, please. <laughs> can nothing go my way? Can nothing go my way? And they were going to slit open her teddy bear. And I was like, that's my baby's teddy bear. And they're like, but there's something inside it. Like, yeah, a
0: voice box. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it It vibrates and it plays music. Do you want me to show you? No, don't touch it. And I was like, okay, but it's just my baby. Like, I'm ready to cry because I'm having, I had to hand my baby to a stranger behind me because the TSA agent can't touch the baby and they can't touch anything that, you know, they can't touch the stroller. They can't touch the, and I'm like, what, like, what do you want me to do? the poor woman, there was like an older lady who was holding my baby at this point. And I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> like, It's a toy. You press the hand, it vibrates and it plays a little song and it's her favorite toy. And finally they were like, oh, all right. And so the the lady handed me back that I put the stroller through and that finally, and I was like, can
0: anything else go wrong now? <laughs> you never say that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right?
1: i thinking to myself, please, can we just get on the plane? <laughs> and so finally, we're sitting in the airport and I am just on high, 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 you know, fight or flight kind of thing. And um, we get on the plane and the plane took off. And that was the final moment that I really felt like because I'm sitting up against the window like like nobody noticed me. There's just a baby right here, but nobody noticed me. <sighs> Um, that was the final, like, I felt like I could finally relax and I was safe for a few minutes because I was in the air and he couldn't, he wasn't on the plane. So I could relax for a few hours between Washington state and South Carolina I felt free just for that, you know, but right, but there was so much, like, the the video visits, and she wouldn't sit and talk with him. I'm like, she's two. She doesn't sit and talk with anybody. Right. You know, she she's not going to sit and have a conversation like you and I are having a conversation. She's two. What do you, uh, I'm not sure what you want her to do, but, you know, she's there, and she'll show you her toys, and she, you know, back and forth, and okay, whatever. But he would just berate me but talk to her and berate me because he knew I was listening and it was just awful he would send gifts to her that were actually the things that he had taken from me years ago and send them back to me to her as gifts it was
0: just creepy that's that's weird it was awful did you get your bathrobe (laughs) I did, but only
1: because the judge ordered him, like, I made a list of things that I could remember, and the judge ordered him to give all those things back.
0: What so, woman wants somebody else's hand-me-downs, or, you know what I mean? Like, it exactly, had nothing to do with, like, why, and what, and... It had nothing to do with another woman. He just wanted to hurt you. Exactly. Was it was now.
1: just the, you know, and... I have read some of the things that say that abusers have been abused themselves, but as an adult, we all have choices. You know, we, we make our own decisions. Now, my daughter at two, she can't help who her parents were, right? But, but as an adult, we make decisions and we're responsible for our actions, you know, it's not like, oh, oops, my arm, my hand slipped and slapped you. No, you did that. You kicked my feet out from under me. You, you know, you hurt me.
0: I definitely think there's a cycle of abuse. Like, let's see, like a lot of serial killers and things like that, they were all either abused or molested themselves. Oh, absolutely. The thing is, you got to learn to break the cycle. You have to know that you don't want to keep doing that. And that's where it comes in. Well, and that was
1: a conversation that he and I had before we adopted our daughter. My daughter was, you know, he said, I'm, I know that if I am everything that my parents weren't, that I will be a good parent. Like that was a conscious decision, but it didn't stick. Right. It it was, it may have been a conscious decision, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a lasting decision. So that's the part that, you know, I have to, that I hang on to is the idea that it was his choice, right? He didn't have to grab me. He didn't have to do all the other things. He didn't have to do those things. That was a conscious or unconscious choice. You know, but but at some point there has to be a like you said, the breaking of that cycle. You know, yes. You know, my mom was not my mom was the oldest of five children and her dad cheated on my grandmother with a 16 year old, basically. And if he didn't marry her way back then, he was going to jail. So my grandmother divorced him in the age where there was a divorce know back in the 1950s and my grandfather had five other children with this other lady and they all had money but he never paid any child support from so my mom wore like you know the flower bag dresses and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of you know so there's a lot of trauma generational trauma there my dad was also a foster child so you know, so there's generational trauma there. And then I married Dirk and I thought, Oh, not, you know, what a nice Christian young man. And, you know, we met at a church picnic and all this kind of stuff. And that's not, you know, that that's not how that turned out. I missed a lot of red flags. I was, I only dated him for six months and I should have dated him longer, but Again and there's that pressure of, oh, you're 25; you should be married and have children by now. You know, and and it's better to be married than to burn with burn with lust and all this kind of you know these, (laughs) these kind of things that that just you know are unrealistic expectations. And so, you know, there are times when I feel like, and my husband now and I. Talk about, you know, what if I didn't, what if I had made different decisions? And he said, but you wouldn't be the woman that I love and the person that you are today if those things didn't happen to you. Not that I would wish them on you, but they made you a stronger person. And yeah, I wouldn't wish them on anyone. But I can truly say that my daughter and I have been through hell together and back. And, you know, we have a great relationship. My husband now is amazing. And I did not meet him at a church picnic. (laughs) If you read my book, he and I were playing a, um, it's an MMORPG. So we're both nerdy computer gamers, PC gamers. And um, one night over, over voice over IP, over Ventrilo, we were, um, chatting about with a mutual friend we had never met, but a mutual friend of ours was telling us that we should meet because we both had similar bad tastes or bad dates. My friends decided that since I had this horrendous marriage, I should get back out there and date. And so I dated a man who said he was a firefighter, but when I brushed a rock out of my flip-flop He wouldn't touch my hand again because it was germy. He was a germaphobe. And then there was another guy who texted me from the men's room to tell me that he was having a great time on our date. What a lovely time he was having. (laughs) And, okay, so, hint, do not text anyone from the men's men's or women's room during the date, even. And then, so... I was a little weirded out by that. So, you know, we finished eating kind of, I finished eating kind of quickly and I had to go home. He must've texted me 10 times in the like 15 minutes that it took me to drive back to my apartment. And I was like, I, I didn't answer cause I was driving. But then when I answered, I was like, you know, I think we're kind of all
0: set. Thanks though. Cause now nice. you see the red flag. <laughs> now I
1: see the red flags and I'm like, if you're texting me from the bathroom, yeah. yeah, no. They, Not a hard pass. <laughs> a hard pass. Exactly. So, um, so we were sharing stories and he had told this story about how this woman that he took out said that global warming was ruining her tan. <laughs> <laughs> and so we laughed and we laughed. And there's another woman who apparently he was, he was out at a restaurant and he picked up the salt shaker and added salt to his food and she told him that he was he was way old and he was going to die soon and he was oh my god so um so we compared bad dates and then he said you know what i need to save the reputation of the of the male humans and i laughed and said yeah okay i've heard that before and he said what will it take to convince you and i said a flight you know, an airline flight itinerary and a hotel reservation. Cause I don't know you and you're not staying with me. And he said, give me 30 minutes, not 20 minutes later in my email box was an airline flight itinerary and a hotel reservation to come down to South Carolina to see me. Um, it was, so we had more fun that weekend, but, um, we walked around Charleston, we saw all the sights, we laughed, we talked. We stayed up all night just talking and laughing. And my daughter stayed with my brother and sister-in-law for the weekend and and he and I just hit it off and you know it took us about we hung out or kind of dated for about 3 years and then we were engaged for a year before we got married. But we have such a different, such a great relationship. And I can tell you that, that we're like best friends now, you know, and, and, but it took us time. It took time to heal and it took time to get to know one another. And I wouldn't trade him for the world. He's amazing.
0: No, that's great. I'm very happy for you. I'm glad you found happiness. You deserve it.
1: And you know, what's funny is when he proposed to me, um, the next morning he came in and he had come to South Carolina to see me and, and our da- my daughter. And he sat her on the couch and he said, can I marry your mom? And she looked right at him and she said, no. And she ran off to her room and he looked at me like, no, I thought she liked me. And I said, she loves you. So he went into her room and she had made a tea party and she was like five at the time and a tea party. She took the letter T from her magnetic letters and put it in the teapot. So that was <laughs> a party, right? So so she made tea and she was pouring the tea into the cups for him. And he said, you know, if I marry your mom, I'll get to live with you all the time or you'll, you know, we can live together all the time. But if I don't marry your mom, then, then we'll still have to come and, you know, then I'm, I'll have to come and visit. And she's like, Okay, you can marry us then. Mm. So, um, so our family anniversary is June eleventh, and she I love that. It, so she calls it our family anniversary.
0: Mm, That's so
1: sweet, and it's really cute. And and so we have a family anniversary, and we do family stuff on our family anniversary. So it's you know just. The things that you don't expect, like making the tea in the, you know, and, and, okay, you can marry us and it's our family anniversary now. So, and it just, it's, it has been amazing to make
0: good memories where there were evil ones. Absolutely. You need those to re, I mean, those will never go away and those do make you who you are today. But at least now you are in a whole different mind frame. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to let everyone know where we can find your book?
1: Sure. So my book is available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, um, but it's called I'll Pray For You, A Woman's Guide to Surviving Domestic Abuse or Domestic Violence. And my website is www.authordwales.org. And as always, the National Domestic Abuse Hotline, and and those are the people who know all the right things. And honestly, those are the people that helped save
0: my life. It's important to know the resources that are out there because they are, they're out there. Absolutely. Yep. just got to want better for yourself. Absolutely. And that's a tough place to be. It really is, but it's empowering at the same time. When you so take your life back, oh, it yeah. is, oh it's like you finally got glasses on. Yes, absolutely.
1: So much and there's so much good in the world now that I can that I can do to share my story so that other people hopefully won't have to go through what I went through or can get out of where
0: I like where I was. Yes, it is possible.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thanks well, so much for having me. Thank you great. so much for being on. I really enjoyed this. It
1: was great. Thanks. Yes. Again.
0: I'm not sure if you guys follow me on Instagram, but if you do, you will see that I said I was revamping the show. As much as I love the crime shows, I really want to interview people. I want to hear the real-life story from them. I mean, that's better, right? So make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe. That way you know when I'm releasing a new episode. It may not be every week. Also coming soon is a whole new Crime Over Cocktails website, so stay tuned for that. Should be live any day now. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.